Hi, everybody. How are you doing? My name is Luke Thomas. It is, uh, what day is it today? It is uh, Friday, the 31st of July, 2020, and it is uh, time for the episode 44 of the Luke Thomas live chat. As you can tell, things look a little bit differently here. I've got a new, well, I've rejiggered the audio, so hopefully it's a little bit louder. Also, I've got a different camera I'm using. You should be able to see the focus here. Let's see how good it gets. There it is. I got the uh, Sony a6400, and I got, uh, well, I've had it for a while, but I wasn't using it, and uh, now I am, and I got a different lens on it, and it's got a different ISO and everything else, so it might look a little bit weird, a little bit different, but hopefully it's okay. Um, all right, what to do? First, give the video a thumbs up and hit subscribe. You put your questions in yesterday, I get to them now, so without further ado, let's get this party started, shall we? All right, very good. As I indicated, if you would be so kind as to subscribe, I would appreciate it. Um, let's see here. There we are. Got my little Diet Mountain Dew here. And uh, a bunch of other good stuff. I uh, hope you're having a good day. Hope you had a good week. What will we get to today? Lots of good stuff. Uh, we've got, uh, you know, Shabazian. We've got... Um, you know, Khabib and Justin and Connor and all a bunch of other things happening. So plenty of different things to get to at this point. All right. Let's see how many we got here. Oh, we got a shitload. 222. Fuck, that is a lot. All right. Well, let's get to it. I'll take this off as well. All right. And I brought back my boom arm. I'm trying to, I tried to make my setup in my office a little bit better. And so I'm playing with different situations to make things look a little bit different. I don't know if all of it's going to succeed, but hopefully some of it does. I'm not saying I'll have this set up for next week, but it seems like it's okay. Seems like it. All right. With that in mind, let's make sure it's looking good. Are you using OBS? Yes, I am using OBS. By the way, people keep making fun of my haircut. I haven't had a haircut since the pandemic. My wife cuts my hair, fuck faces. So, there you go. Uh, you should need to crank your bit rate if you're using OBS. Uh, why? What's wrong with my... What's wrong? Is there something wrong? I think it's okay. It seems alright. I don't know. Is it not coming out in HD or some shit? I don't know. What's the... Oh, yes. It's not coming out in HD. Fuck. Well, uh, I don't know what to do. I guess I'll just leave it. If it's not in HD, then I'll... You know what? I'll record it natively. There. I'm recording it natively. It should be in HD after that. All right. Let's get to this. Shall we? Shall we? Shall we? Uh, okay. Luke, how many hours a week or what percentage of... Uh, hang on just a second here. Oops, take that off. Settings... Sorry, just one second. Uh, da -da 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 -da. Yeah, I probably fucked it up switching cameras, but, you know, what are you going to do? Up the bit rate. All right, I'll try up in the bit rate, see what that does. Uh, let's see. CBR. Da -da 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 -da. Let's see how that looks. Okay. Hopefully that doesn't kill it. 
Sorry. Yeah, you know what? I probably should have thought of all this shit before I did it, but I was trying to just differentiate my setup. Uh, okay. All right. With that out of the way, let's get to this. People are saying it's fine. People aren't complaining that much, so that's the good news. All right, Luke, how many hours a week or what percentage every week do you dedicate to work, which includes prep, family time, personal time, social or alone? How have the ratios changed for you over the last decade or two? Well, I mean, they've changed rapidly year to year, to be quite candid with you. Um, I mostly just work. (laughs) I don't have a lot of personal time. Maybe an hour a day, which I, you know, reserve for reading or uh, working out or something. I would say the overwhelming majority of my waking hours are 90% of it is work and then the rest goes to family and then very little of it goes to personal. Um, It didn't used to always be this way, but you have to understand, like, my work and my hobbies are related. Um. Like the reason why I'm trying this on a new camera and uh, a new audio setup is that like I feel like I got kind of stale with my setup and I wanted to clean it out and I want to be better about it. I've been having I'm trying like I I am completely self-taught on cameras. I know nothing, or at least I know a little bit now, very very little, but not much. And uh, everything I do know, I taught myself. So like. You know, following YouTubers who teach me about, you know, what's the difference between ISO and other ways to change exposure and aperture and shutter speed and all that kind of, all of it is self-taught. So, uh, and then, you know, certain lenses and uh, APS-C versus full frame and blah, blah, blah. And for those of you who know those answers, this will sound like very basic and it is very basic. But the point being is that's sort of like my hobby now. My hobby is to like teach myself as much as I can about video and about videography and, uh, you know, how to have a proper setup in studio. And I finally got to the point now where I'm getting to a decent place, but it took a really long time. So if you want to count that as distinct from work, then the answer is probably a little bit different. But the majority is, dude, I wake up and I go to work and I get a little bit of time. Not a little bit of time. I spend a lot of time with my kid, but I have very little time for myself. Very, very. And I, you know, obviously with the pandemic, it's not like I've seen, I've seen friends once. I've seen my family once since the pandemic and both of those were outside, you know what I mean? Like it's not, I mostly just work, um, which I don't think is a good thing, but I'd be lying to you if I said I wasn't, you know, it's just the reality. So, uh, okay. Um, all right. What were your key takeaways from Dan Hardy's hour long video rebuttal to Dan? Glad you asked. Um, I am probably not going to have the same response that a lot of people... Well, I don't know about that. I I, I saw a lot of people uh, bag on him, which I didn't quite understand. If you wanted to disagree with him, then disagree with him. There were things I didn't agree with necessarily with what he said. But the first thing I thought that was kind of interesting to me was, in MMA, dude, every dispute is about like, oh, I have power, you don't have as much, therefore I win. You know, I am authoritative, you are not, therefore you can't contribute. Whether or not the people who are asking questions or having a dispute are right or not. And sometimes the more authoritative ones are also the ones who are correct. But the terms of the dispute are never about the terms of the dispute. They are merely about who has status, who doesn't, who's in the in-group, who is in the out-group, and then that's it. And then here was Dan trying to do the opposite, which is I'm trying to make an argument. He didn't respond immediately. He took his time. He cobbled together evidence for what he thought was a pattern of 
I don't want to put words in his mouth, but what appeared to me to be him suggesting that Herb has fallen short in a number of different ways, and in those ways he has fallen short, the common thread, at least for the ones he presented, was it was a delay um, in in effective reaction. Whether that is, um, you know, uh, with the C.B. Dalloway and the Russian guy whose name I cannot pronounce, whether it was the one from the weekend, whether it was, you know, you take your pick, he had, a, he had listed a few. So I would have a couple of responses. I think first, number one, I can't tell you how much I appreciate him just trying to make an argument. And that sounds like I'm giving him a participation trophy. It is not. People in MMA don't do it. And when they do it, they certainly don't do it often enough. And it is sorely missing, and it is a reflection of how seriously he takes these matters and how much you should take these matters seriously because they are life and death, and they are certainly quality of life, and they are very, they're very important. And in, in my, all the other realms that I you know, have kind of interests, intellectual or otherwise, people make arguments. And they, you know, sometimes they get a little out of hand and they go after each other. But in general, they don't. In general, what you find is that they win based on the merits of the point they're trying to make. And it's common. People do it without much interest, uh, without much issue. It's very, very simple. And you just, you just don't see enough of that these days. You see everything but that. And it drives me nuts. So for him to like, let's talk about the terms of the debate and not anything else... I really appreciate it, number one. Number two, <coughs> I'm not one of these guys who thinks that Herb has as long a record as um, other people do in terms of the mistakes, but there were, I think, two of them that were really bad. I thought this one was bad with Trinaldo and Herbert, and I thought the one with C.B. Dalloway was really bad. And often, like for example, you saw Sam Alvey, who you know, I doubt he and I agree on much in this world. He came out and was like, great non-call, you know. But if you actually go and listen to C.B. Dalloway after that fight, he explicitly said he didn't think Herb protected him properly. You know, he, he was like unequivocal about it. So those are probably a few cases where um, you can really say he messed up. Okay. So what do I make of the general arguments? For me, I have a hard time understanding Herb's position, which isn't to say I can totally prove that he's wrong because I can't. But I mean the following. For me, and I think I made a video about this, when Herb comes over and is looking down and there's this delayed reaction, um, Herbert doesn't scramble. He doesn't grab an ankle. He doesn't get to his base. He doesn't put feet on the hips. He doesn't even turn to face Trinaldo. Like, Jiu-Jitsu 101 is if someone is to your side and you're on your back... You need to face them, not have them be on your side, even if they're standing. You need to turn and face. He doesn't shrimp. He doesn't do anything. He just stands or just lays there. Now, he's got his hands up in a certain kind of way, but there's not much to it. And so, as a consequence, I'm thinking to myself, you know what? Like, I don't know what this is all about here, man. Uh, I don't understand how someone can stand over you and you just don't even move. And then, even if you wanted to say, oh, okay, he was protecting himself and he was you know, misjudging when Trinaldo was going to fire. The first shot from Trinaldo goes through unobstructed. If, if one of those shots goes through unobstructed, then you have to call it. Because after that, Trinaldo is able to grab a wrist. 
I don't know what Herb saw. And I think people saying, oh, Herb could clearly tell X, Y, and Z, you don't really know that either. And I know that's an uncomfortable thing to say, to leave that degree of uncertainty over these very important situations. But we actually don't know. There are some photographs that make it look like Herbert's eyes were googly and he couldn't see. But I don't know exactly what Herb saw. I just, I know Herbert's reactions were really weird. And then once the first shot went through unobstructed, that was a time to call it. So to me, it's really, really late. Here's the thing that I keep coming back to in this whole debate. On Twitter that night, and certainly it's an argument that Dan is making, the argument they're making is enough is enough. Right? There's been too much of this. And even if you wanted to agree with that, and you wanted to agree with the idea that um, something needs to be done, my view on it was people are like mad at Dan Hardy for lashing out, you know, I've said it a million times, these commissions have, not totality, but in huge part, completely shielded themselves from transparency, shielded themselves from criticism, shielded themselves from explanation, and they bring this lashing out that people do on themselves. But here's what I I just can't get over, which is, okay, if you're telling me that Herb has had too many of these, tell me who hasn't. Which is to say, if you go to high school or you go to college, I can tell how well you're doing. I can look at your grades. We know that if you get an A in your class and you overall get a GPA that tells us that you have either all A's or a mix of A's and B's, you're basically doing pretty well. Now, I don't know that we have to give a kind of grade to referees, but my point being is everyone makes these arguments about who is doing well and who isn't and yada yada and I don't know what the standard of excellence is, what that's supposed to look like, how many mistakes someone with a standard of excellence is allowed to make, and how that does or doesn't differentiate from Herb, and not just Herb, from Dan Mergliata, from Leon Roberts, from Mark Goddard, from Jaron Vallel, you name it. The major problem with this argument is we don't know what the standard of excellence looks like in agreed-upon terms. I think Mark Goddard is a good referee. In fact, today he had to deal with a ridiculous situation on a, on a card he was refing. Um, others may disagree. You might think, take your pick. Somebody else, uh, you know, what that mistake against Smith and Teixeira notwithstanding, Jason Herzog is a great referee. I actually do think he is, right? But what I need to see is, here is what a standard of excellence looks like. Here are the measurements by which we can define a standard of excellence. And here is how those referees correspond to it. Everyone wants to say, this referee has too many mistakes, that referee has too many mistakes, without ever asking, okay, well, how many mistakes is too many and what kind? We're all talking in ways where we're not talking about a common standard of excellence. And without knowing what that is, to me, it's not that the arguments are good or bad, I just don't know how to contextualize them. And everyone thinks that they do, but they don't. No one has, to me, established, here's what it looks like when they do well, here's what it looks like when they do poorly, for these reasons, and, uh, and here's what performance on the job looks like at its various degrees. What we wait for is when someone is either really good or really bad, like a John Shorley was really bad, right? Where it's just so, like, it doesn't even pass the smell test. So obvious. But most of these guys are somewhere in between, so you want me to accept that Herb is a bad referee or any other person's a bad referee. There is some evidence from what Dan is talking about that is certainly concerning. He was making good faith arguments. 
The problem is I have no idea how that measures up against what should be considered a standard of excellence. Oh, Mark Goddard doesn't have as many of these. Goddard's got some bad ones too, man. He's got some bad ones too. My hunch is that every good referee does. Um, I was uh, my my understanding is you guys know how Leon Roberts messed up the uh, he was late in the stoppage between Jan and Aldo. Did you guys notice you didn't see him the rest of the time on Fight Island? He wasn't fired. He was. My understanding was he didn't like. Uh, I don't know exactly the whole terms of it, but he left on his own because my understanding is he felt like um, if he couldn't do the job effectively, he shouldn't be there. You know, it takes a big man to do that. And he his record, to me, generally is excellent. But he fucked that one up. I mean, there's no denying. He's probably got some other ones too, you know? So here's the first thing we need to do. What does it look like when a referee is excellent over time, what does the record look like? How many fuck-ups do they have? What do the fuck-ups look like? Are they all of one sort? Do they tend to be kind of different along the ways? Was there counseling in between? Show us what it looks like when someone is a model referee by some kind of objective con- context. And then we can measure everyone against that. But everyone just deciding, not without good, bad reasons or good reasons, that this person has gone too far. Too far relative to what? Too far relative to what? Is the way I would answer it. So it's not that I think Dan's arguments were bad. They were pretty good. I just don't know how, what they mean in the end. Um, oh, here's a good one. What do you make of Mark Goddard's incident at UAE Warriors 12? I think that was today, right? At first I thought it was a clear case of Ahmad al-Darmaki holding the rear naked choke too long intentionally, but when you watch it back, the fella taps the mat and wasn't looking at Goddard at the time. I've not seen the full video, so I don't know exactly, Um, but the one that I saw was, it doesn't matter. Goddard says, let go, you let go. And then you put your hands on Goddard. Nah, player. (laughs) You can't do that. You cannot. You cannot do that. You cannot do that at all. Um, So... You know, it doesn't really matter at that point. I mean, maybe there was a bit of a miscommunication, but the referee says, let go, you let go, and that's just the end of it. I know he is never, ever going back to 145, but if he did, how do you think McGregor would fare with Volkanovsky? I mean, the weight cut would be too much, right? Um, He'd still be good early. I just feel like the amount of disruption and movement and his ability. But by the way, dude, like here's one thing that gets lost because he couldn't keep Max down. But that inside trip he had and some of the takedowns late. Like I feel like Max's takedown defense is excellent. And if Volkanovski can take Max down, he can definitely take Connor down. So probably I would still favor uh, Volkanovski. Strange and possibly dumb question, but when uh, when does the when does size trump skill, and vice versa when it comes to fighting? For example, how competitive would a professional MMA fight be between LeBron James and a UFC flyweight? At what point does an untrained athlete's overall size and strength overtake a flyweight skill? Uh, well, that's going to be hard to say with any kind of specificity because every flyweight is not necessarily all that talented in the same kinds of ways 
And um, like some can wrestle, some can't, right? Um, and, you know, LeBron James is a freak athlete. So it, it, this is going to be a sliding scale between the two. But the thing I always kind of go back to, and even this is not the best representation of it, but it gives you some kind of indication, was when Robert Wer- uh, Roger Huerta had already washed out of the UFC, right? He'd already washed out of UFC, and he comes upon the situation where this girl gets sucker punched outside of a bar from a guy who was a lineman above 300 pounds for the Atlanta Falcons. Now, he was not some elite player for the Falcons, but he made an NFL roster. I mean, that's very hard to do, okay? You know, 1% of 1% of 1% make it to the NFL at all. Average NFL career is three years and you're gone, you know? Um, so, Roger Huerta beat the fuck out of that guy. <laughs> Roger Huerta beat that dude within an inch of his stupid life, and it wasn't even close. Now, who knows how much each guy was drinking or whatever. I think that guy was like 315 pounds, and Huerta was probably, what, around 170, 180, something like that. And Roger Huerta fucked that dude up, and it wasn't competitive. I just don't think – folks are always like, oh, Luke, could you beat up a UFC flyweight? Because I'm in the high 200s, you know, around 270, and – you know, they're half my size. No, I don't, I mean, maybe if I got lucky or something, you know, cause I, a heavyweight does hit hard or something like that. Right. But I just don't think folks understand if you can fight professionally for a living at the highest level in the world, you know, you are a dangerous person. You're a very dangerous person. And, you know, could they beat LeBron James? I don't know. You know, I don't know. But my hunch is untrained athlete, even if it's a super athlete like LeBron, Relative to a highly trained, you know, high level, but much smaller MMA fighter, that much smaller MMA fighter is going to win virtually every time. Because you're talking about a degree of skill in every dimension, in distance closing, in in keeping contact, um, leveraging strength in control positions, not because they're stronger, but because they know how to put themselves in a position where they don't have to be. You know, and then they can hit hard. Uh, they're going to fuck people up. You know, everyone's like, oh, yeah, I mean, this is like, you know, I can't take Demetrius seriously because he's 125. You know, Demetrius will, will fuck you up and take your girl in front of you. Don't think for two seconds he's not that guy. I mean, he wouldn't do it because he's a nice guy. But if he wanted to, <laughs> he'd fuck your shit up quick. If Khabib beats Gaethje in his usual form, all right, and goes on to face GSP in 2021. How competitive do you think that matchup actually is at both 170 and 155? Do you think GSP has a worse or same better chance of beating Khabib than the current top five, top ten in the lightweight and welterweight divisions? Um, 39 years old. I mean, understand what would happen here. 217, if it happens in 2021, 217 will be the last time that St. Pierre fought, which at that point will be a four-year difference. He'd already taken four years off between that fight and then his last one against Hendricks. So you mean to tell me you can take four years off and you can come back and you can beat Michael Bisping, and that's pretty amazing. And then you can take basically four more years off from competitive fighting and you can beat the best lightweight maybe that's ever been? Nah, I have a hard time believing that. I have a hard time believing that. At 39 years of age with that much level of inactivity, I know he stays in the gym. Okay. Fine. I get it. 
So at 155, I wouldn't like St. Pierre's chances at all. 170 is a bit of a different ball game because you really don't know exactly how much that would potentially slow Khabib, maybe make him stronger. It's a little hard to know what that would do. At 155, I wouldn't like St. Pierre's chances at all. At all. At 170, I guess I would a little bit. And I have was I saw people being like, you know, because I put out the video yesterday saying like, I realize if they made Khabib versus GSP, hello, it would do huge numbers. And it'd be kind of interesting and certainly be historic. I mean, for St. Pierre to win, A, under those conditions, right? Four years off fight, four years off fight is just incredible. And then you'd be the first person to win in three different weight classes. I mean, this is stuff of legends. I mean, he already is. And that, that would be another tier above it. Um, at the same time, I just don't know how doable that is against a guy in his prime. So I get that it would be hard to turn down for the UFC if they wanted to make that. But people being like, oh, this would tell us who the GOAT is. No, it wouldn't. It's not prime versus prime. It's dude way past prime versus dude at the top of his game uh, and not even in a weight class that St. Pierre ever competed in. It wouldn't tell you that at all. You want to compare resumes at that point, okay, that's different, but... You know, that fight in particular, like this is the, these are two, you know, like this is something even close to what Mayweather Pacquiao would be. No, even that fight, I don't think you can really say that that's what it would be. You know, best of their generation, maybe, but even then, no. So, no, it doesn't. If you want, if you're in favor of it, it's because, hey, you want to see a vanity fight and it'd be kind of cool, right? But that's it. That's the only reason why you want to see it. Uh, at this very moment, which fighter has the better potential future in the UFC, Shabazian or Chimaev? Jesus. That's really hard to know the answer to. Um, Shabazian is a little bit more tested, right? He has faced Brad Tavares. He's 21. Jemayev is still pretty young. I think, what, 25? Jemayev? It's impossible to say. You know, I'll say this, though. What's kind of funny, I brought this up on my radio show today. And, and I'm getting ahead of myself here. I fully acknowledge this is speculative to the point of silliness. But Shabazian is pretty special. How far he's going to go, I don't know. But you do wonder, like, is this guy going to fight for a title at some point? Because he's just killing people out here. And if he beats Brunson, he's gonna, not going to be that far away. The only thing that's kind of funny to me is if Shabazian ends up fighting for a title and wins. And again, I'm, like we're, way, we're getting way ahead of ourselves here. But if he does, can you imagine, like, that would put Edmund Tarverdian in the same company as, like, a Greg Jackson and a Javier Mendez, which is to say the following. How many coaches, and I don't mean just, like, loose association, right? Oh, like, I'm American top team and they're American top team, but you didn't really train them. I'm talking, like, direct hands-on. Shabazian has been with Tarverdian since he was 10. How many coaches can claim that they produced two UFC champions? Not many. You can count them on one hand. Edmund Tarverdian <laughs> is potentially going to be on that list. It's possible. I mean, right now it's speculative, obviously, to a pretty strong degree. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that? Uh, it doesn't mean... Like, what, is it, what does it mean if, if this were to happen? Did he get lucky? I mean, anybody who has Ronda Rousey walk through their door got a little bit lucky, right? So that's partly it. 
would it be that plus, you know, uh, maybe Tarverdian was a little bit mal- unfairly maligned? Could be. But, you know, Tarverdian said a bunch of stuff in the his bankruptcy case that was the judge found ridiculous, number one. Number two, saying things that Ronda Rousey was dropping boxing champions with body shots and sparring turned out to be utterly untrue. He could, she could beat Holly Holm in a boxing match. Ridiculous. I mean, you know, and then sort of giving the sort of almost naive levels of instruction during the course of a prize fight. You know, some of the criticism is completely warranted. But I will say, if he ends up being in that group, and again, who knows if he will, that would be something. That would be something because that dude was left for dead on the side of the road in this community. And he he might make a miraculous comeback here. We'll see. Shabazian looks to be like the absolute truth. So does Shemayev too. The guy looked ridiculous. But the only difference is Shabazian has fought a little bit tougher competition and shown a little bit more well-roundedness. He had to wrestle in the Darren Stewart fight, and then he fought Brad Tavares. So he's had to answer for more difficult challenges to this point that Shemayev has not. But that doesn't mean Shemayev won't when he gets the opportunity. It just means it hasn't happened yet. So... Way too early to tell, but both of those guys look to be incredibly exciting. I'm telling you, man, from Armenia to Azerbaijan to Chechnya to to Dagestan, all of these former Soviet satellite states, you know, Indo-Europe, some of them Muslim, some of them Christian, but Georgia too, you know, Georgia as a country. The mountain folk, <laughs> they're tough as shit, man. I know Shabazian grew up in L.A., but um, still, it's just they're tough people. They're really tough people. And they're all very different, right? You know, again, the Armenia is the oldest Christian country in the world, and Shemayev is Muslim, but still, that sort of Indo-Europe, outside of Turkey kind of thing. It's tough-ass people, man. Uh, does being in the Showtime family allow you any extra promotional opportunities? And if so, what kind? I am such a fan of Morning Combat. I want to see it continue for many years. I feel like more you can link up with other internet or TV personalities. Jesus and Mero, Theo Vaughn, Theo Vaughn, Tim Dillon. I don't know who Tim Dillon is. Oh, I think he's a comedian. Maybe, maybe that's right. I think I've seen like a YouTube thumbnail here or there. The more exposure and subscribers it would give you. I know your show is not comedy or comedian-centric, but apparently these other shows could definitely help you grow your audience. Keep it up, man. Much appreciated. Um, I mean, to my knowledge, the sports... I've dealt with people inside sports, and there are inside sports, there are many different divisions. Like, the people in charge of boxing may not be the people in charge of, like, NFL or other things or podcasting or whatever. So I've definitely made the rounds inside the sports section of Showtime, but as it relates to, you know, the entertainment side or the Jesus and Mero side. That's a completely different side of the business that I've just not gotten a part of. Uh, it'd be nice one day to cross paths with those dudes, but you know, I don't think that's in the cards, but I will say that like, you know, we, I'm not going to sit here and promise you things that are not fully in motion yet, but Showtime is very much behind the morning combat brand. And they have, there's a lot of things currently in discussion and discussion does not, Again, it does not mean eventualities, but Showtime has done everything I asked them to do, and then some. Um, they've, you know, they're talking about some interesting things. I'll, I'll just leave it at that. 
and say, you know, they've given me some great opportunities and they intend to build on them. So stay tuned. Look, why was Josh Barnett's win never overturned against Randy Couture after UFC 36? He tested positive for multiple steroids. He was stripped of the belt, but the win remains on his record. Um, I think that was just commission protocol at the time. If it happened today, there would be a different scenario. I just think at that time, that's all the commissions were doing. They weren't. Um, they weren't. Uh, they, they. They. Their policy has just changed over time. That's it. Who's more likely to end up undefeated from now until the end of their career? Khabib, Adesanya, Volkanovski, Jones, Usman. Probably Khabib if he only has two more fights. I, th- I you know, you guys know I'm an Adesanya mark, but that fight being in the small cage and against Costa, that fight has me worried. <laughs> um, it's a tough fight, man. That's a tough fight. You know, I'm of the belief that Adesanya's sophistication is beyond his peers and by by some mileage. But that is not exactly the same thing as saying um, that's a reason why you couldn't think that Costa could win. Costa is much more talented than his critics give him credit. And that small cage where you're a pressure fighter is going to help him. And he can take a shot and, buddy, he can, he can, he can set him off too. He has a formidable challenge, a very formidable challenge. So uh, that's an interesting one. Volkanovski, I think, has a loss earlier in his career, doesn't he, somewhere? I mean, I guess you mean UFC at this point, right, where he hasn't lost in UFC? Uh, Volkanovski, what is his record? Yeah, he has that one loss in like his fourth fight. He got head kicked, TKO'd. But that was back in 2013. He's better now. So that's not on the list. Um, Usman, maybe. But at welterweight, that's going to be hard. Jones is interesting because I don't think he's got that many fights left either. But I definitely feel like his offense has become far less potent than it once was. So I say, I'm say i going to say Khabib. I'll say old Nurmagomedov. If I offered you $10 million, but at the expense of that, there was a deadly slug chasing you for the rest of your life. It moves at the pace of a slug, but can travel through water or anywhere to get you. If it gets to you, you die. Would you take the money? No. I'm not looking to be tormented for cash. If you had a similar show to Steve Crowder, Change My Mind series, what topics will you be willing to change your mind in relation to MMA? Just about anything. I told you guys before, he and I and uh, another guy I cut a, uh, tried out for a TV show, and I got the TV show. It was going to be on Fuel TV. I was going to be the host. And then the next week, the UFC did the deal with Fox, and then they rebranded it FS2. And so my deal went, um, that was funny. That was so great. They're like, the, the network greenlit it. You're going to be the host of a new show. And then the next week, it's like, UFC does deal with Fox. And I was like, what does that mean for this one? And they were like, yep, your deal goes away. I was like, sweet. Um, yeah, so I've actually been toying with the idea. You guys know my email, LukeThomasNews at gmail.com. I've been toying with the idea that um, people write me all the time in good faith, not like stupid-ass hate mail, but like really smart, interesting, thoughtful ways of challenging my worldview or saying, um, you know, you convinced me a little bit on this issue, but you didn't convince me on this one, and they lay out reasons for it. I get those emails all the time. 
I've been thinking about turning that into something because sometimes you guys change my mind. Sometimes you don't, you know, that's just the nature of a back and forth. Uh, I'd be very willing to do it. It would depend on whatever argument you made, but I get emails like that all the time. And I get emails too being like, oh, you totally convinced me and blah, blah, blah. I get all kinds of stuff like that. So I'm, I'd be much more interested in turning that into something for this YouTube channel than anything else. Uh, I wanted to do favorite fights and I will keep doing that. But now that the you know, there's fights every weekend, I just don't have time to get into it like I did back when there was a lot of free time. That is something that comes up all the time. It can be about current events. Like, you know, is it a good idea? Is it? A, I'll put a video up about this later. Is it a good idea to have title fights in the small cage? If, if so, you have you have um, DC and Stipe taking place next month, and then apparently, it looks like I think Ariel had reported that it's going to be um, the September pay per view is going to be at Apex, which means again small cage for Adesanya and Costa. Is that a good idea? You know, I was cheerleading the small cage all this time, and now I'm thinking about like title fights. You have to imagine number one, they can put the big cage in the Apex; they don't have to do the small one. And number two. If those guys were fighting in Vegas in August and then in September, where would they be fighting if we had normal times? You know, probably at T-Mobile, which would be a big cage. You got a big cage over at Fight Island. Um, I am not one of these guys who believes in standardization. Like, oh, every fight needs to be the exact same conditions and exact same rules. I like changing it up. I like how one has different rules. I like, you know, in, in, in American football when sometimes it's freezing snow and other times it's hot as shit and... Sometimes the stadium is so loud you can't the the linemen and the other t- players can't hear the quarterback call. I like all that stuff. I think you know tennis plays on clay, plays on grass, you know all that kind of stuff. I think that's cool. I just don't think we've really thought this through because now that we're in the pandemic, we're just forcing through these fights in the best way that we can that are safe and that is doable for UFC, which I have no issue with. I don't think you do either. But it's like we should ask ourselves: Do we really want? Do we really want uh, title fights in the small cage? And the answer is maybe we do. Or, hey, sometimes we get them, sometimes we don't. That's the way the cookie crumbles. Maybe, maybe that's the view. But I feel like there should be further consideration made about this. Why is Roy Jones risking his health and life in this bout with Tyson? Purely a money grab, exhibition or not, it's painful to watch a former great continually put his body through such punishment. Yeah, I think partly money's an issue. I think also the name. I mean, it's they're going to sell it for 50 bucks. They're going to sell a bunch of those. You mean, and you got the Jake Paul douchebag on the thing. I mean, they're going to I hate to admit it, but it's true. They're going to they're going to make a killing on this. Um yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I I mean, did they hoodwink uh the commission in California? I guess we'll see. No way to really know. It's either going to be dangerous and exciting or safe and boring. And either way, I don't have a good feeling about it. Because it's one thing for Mayweather to go beat up on tension, which sucks, but, you know, he'll live to fight another day, and he has. These donks, that's a completely different situation. So I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. It's, uh, I guess we're going to have to say, I, I, I was so wrong also about the Mayweather and, um, Nascawa exhibition that I kind of feel like I should shut my mouth on this one and just see how it plays out. Luke, what do you think uh, Yoel Romero's long-term legacy will be? 
His knockouts against Rockhold and Weidman have not aged particularly well. I don't know. I feel like they have. Both of them suffering a uh, similar devastating knockouts in subsequent bouts. His razor-thin performance against Whitaker being negated by Izzy, dominantly capturing the belt at 243 as a new fan since 223. Feels as though many of the highlights I see of him no longer bear the significance that they might at the time. And in my short tenure, I've watched him lose three in a row, yet he is still held in high regard. Am I missing something? Yep, you are. Also, how do you think he would fare against the elite talent at 205? That part is hard to know, but probably well. 205 appears to be the poor man's division in UFC these days. Where middleweights are going up and kicking ass, and then light heavyweights are going up to heavyweight and getting their asses kicked. It's like, ooh, what is the common denominator here? Again, not in totality, but some of that. Um, no, Romero is amazing. Romero is competing in his 40s. He is one of the most athletic guys I've ever seen. This is his second athletic career. Remember, he already was a uh, elite um, freestyle wrestler. So this is, you know, this is just gravy on top. Um, without much training in terms of time spent doing things specific to MMA, he beat a bunch of guys. And I would say that they got worse by virtue of how, you know, he left them a little bit different after the fact. He may not have been the only one, but he contributed to that, number one, uh, or whatever number I'm on at this point. And um, he had a very unusual style. He was formidable for even the best fighters to get past. And no one has really put it on him. You could argue he beat Costa. I, I understand that it, Look, it, whenever you look at someone's resume with 2020 vision, so to speak, you're supposed to have greater clarity about it, but it actually has the opposite effect in combat sports where you look at it and you're like, oh, they only have a few really nice wins and this one was kind of close and then there's these losses. It actually makes you degrade it. I see it all the time. Folks are like, why is someone considered so special? Why is this one considered so great? Yes, some of them age better than others. Connor's resume has aged really well with the names he collected on it, especially at 145. You know, he's, he's just put on amazing... Uh, performances yes but the 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 names he has added have been you know it's a, you know, he's got max on his resume and aldo and mendez and alvarez and Cerrone and um you know you can go on down the list it's just remarkable who he was able to beat um so yes yeah, some of these age better than others, but eventually someone's going to look at that and be like, eh, you know, it just, it just, people look at GSP's resume today and they're like, yeah, who'd he really beat? And I'm like, are you fucking high? The guy beat three generations. This is my argument. Some might disagree with it, but uh, the very best of what Walter Wade had to offer for a long time. I mean, you gotta, it's just one of the best resumes you'll ever see. Romero's is not that he missed weight a few times. Um, he's had some losses, but uh, he beat really good people at an extra career he was able to manage by virtue of unreal athleticism. He has an unusual fight style. You could argue he beat Whitaker the second time. You could argue he beat Costa. Yeah, dude, his resume, it won't hold up in the sense of did it age well given who, who lost and who won. But in terms of how he aged those competitors, in terms of what he showed even in losses... At this stage in his career, and especially the unusualness with which he did it, he's a very special talent. Odds that Dana books GSP Khabib, if given that Connor will most likely push for that fight, as will be as his last. Yeah, the problem for Connor is 
I'm not saying that GSP versus Khabib sells as well as Conor Khabib too. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. Let's say I admit that it doesn't. It's still going to sell really well. <laughs> you know, it's not like they're going to be giving up a ton on that. Yeah, certainly I would agree that, you know, the one that did the record, the rematch would probably also either match or exceed that. But the GSP problem for Connor is that he would bring, he's a significant B side. Significant. And it would sell shitloads of buys. So, bit of a problem for old Connor. Opinions on heavyweight Tom Aspinall on last week's card. Not the best opponent. Looks like he has good movement for heavyweight. Yeah, I can't say a whole lot about it other than it looked like he had great decision making. Popped him with a nice couple of shots. Good finishing instincts. Good, I mean, good recognition. There's a lot more we have to see, but... Great debut. Solid. Look good. Do you think Dana's change of heart on GSP Khabib fight is because either way he will have a vacant title no matter who wins as Khabib plans to retire at 30 fights and George only intends to get the Khabib fight? Maybe. I also just think it's as simple as uh, if you're going to get one more fight out of Khabib, might as well get a big one. The Connor fight is probably what he would rather have. But... It's going to be hard to make that because Khabib's just not going to want to give that opportunity to Connor, no matter what. And you can still, as I mentioned, still sell a buttload of pay-per-views with a very unique historical angle to it by having GSP on there. It's like, and by the way, there wouldn't be any acrimony. You know, two guys who really respect each other, two camps who respect each other. Whereas with Connor, it'd be this, you know, not merely do you have to worry about COVID and protocol and all this bullshit. Now you have to worry about their camps and you have to add safety and... It's like a nightmare. You don't have any of that. Like a lot less of a headache, you know. I, I, I don't know how much that weighs on them, but I would imagine at a, at a bare minimum it's a nice door prize you get. So probably that has something to do with it maybe. Uh, why is Shevchenko not currently pound for pound number one? Is that a serious question? She's much smaller than Nunez and still beat her in most people's eyes. No. And as dominant champion, yes. So surely if her and Amanda were the same size, she would win? No. Not necessarily. Amanda only has Amanda only was competitive because she was much bigger and stronger, so could get takedowns and didn't even do the takedowns and use her reach advantage for leg kicks. I don't know what that means. She didn't outclass her in any department skill-wise. Outclass her, no. And Shevchenko still beat her in most people's eyes. That is merely your interpretation. I did think that Shevchenko won the second time, just so I can be clear about my levels here. But uh, you're just saying shit. Oh, in most people's eyes. Really? Did you go and sample most people in some kind of scientific and qualitative way? Or quantitative way? Did you do that? No, you didn't. You're just saying shit. You're just saying words. You're just making noises with your mouth. Um, and she hasn't beaten the same kind of people even close to what Amanda has beaten. So, no. This is a very easy answer. What do you think about Pauli Malignaggi getting removed from the Showtime broadcasting team over his uh, comments? Yeah, that one broke my heart. It is true. Uh, I verified it internally. That is true. He did get removed. Uh, I don't know about some of the other stuff that was reported about, you know, did he refuse to apologize, and is he getting a severance package? I don't know. I don't know, but I do know that he got removed. 
yeah, that. Uh, I mean, what do you want me to say, y'all? Like, I, Paulie has always been really, really good to me. I like him a lot as a person. I got to work with him at the on the desk at the um, Garcia Red Catch weigh-ins. It was a real thrill. He, you know, y- y'all can say whatever you want about him as a person, and he's obsessed with McGregor and all this shit. <clears throat> Maybe all that's true, but as a boxing analyst on TV, ask anybody who knows boxing, they will tell you he is awesome at it. He's very talented. So it's a shame. On the other hand, you know, and I, and I will miss him, to be quite clear. On the other hand, it's like, <laughs> you know, dude, so many of these fighters just have these, like, archaic views and I know people are like, oh, this is censorship. This is fucking freedom of speech. Well, it is plenty of freedom of speech. The government's not going to put him in jail. So a private entity is going to do what they want. And listen, man, you know, I don't I don't speak for Showtime, but just sort of reading the room here, looking around, Showtime is very much in on a certain set of uh, causes and inclusion and, um, and uh, support for certain ideas and ideals and and different kinds of movements and you can like that or you can hate that but if you speak in ways that don't represent corporate values probably is going to come at a certain cost um you know what do you want me to say it's just amazing to me like not really about this situation because he didn't speak about well I, i my understanding was i didn't even see the interview my understanding was it was he had made, okay, this could be totally wrong. My understanding was he made two different kinds of comments. One about immigrants. I don't know what that one was. I did not see that one spelled out. And the other one was that there was no such thing as systemic racism. Uh, I don't know how true that is. Not, not the claim, but whether he said it. Because I, I did not go and check out that IFL uh, interview. Um, but, you know, you got to know who you work for, man. You got to know who you work for. And uh, UFC's probably not that way. I mean, maybe if Rogan was out there, you know. Well, UFC might be that way. I mean, Showtime probably will give you a shorter leash, I guess. Again, I don't want to speak for them. UFC probably would get better if Rogan was out there, you know, and he's not. But let's just say he was out there spewing KKK stuff or something. You know, maybe then they would get involved. Uh, but they generally are a little bit more, what's the word? Lenient on that kind of a thing. You just got to know who you work for, man. You got to know who you work for. And it's a public-facing job, too. It's not like he's some accountant in the back room that nobody knows. Like, if you're going to be a part of Showtime, uh, it goes for me, too. You know? You got to know. And by the way, like, the the reported story was, and I don't know if this is true, the reported story was Paulie didn't want to apologize for his views. On some level, you know, I sort of, I mean, if what he if what was reported, what he said was true, uh, you know, I couldn't possibly agree disagree with it more. But you know, I sort of understand where he's coming from, uh, not in the sense of his views, but in the sense of um, uh, so many people say things and then, oh, I didn't mean it. And everyone calls him out on their phoniness and he didn't want to do that. At the same time, it was like he had a good gig going, man, you know, just like preserve your gig. But I guess he didn't want to. I guess he didn't want to. Anyway, I like Paulie as a person. I thought he was a tremendous commentator. 
I think there's a lot of dudes in fight sports that have views that are well outside the mainstream. And, you know, you want to work for a corporation that is that heavily leans into different uh, ideals and, and causes. You got to know that. And you run afoul of it, you know, it's probably going to cause some problems. It's just the way it goes, man. Please don't make fun of Herman Cain. I think doing so will be very disrespectful. I haven't. I didn't say one disrespectful thing. Um, to me, it, it's nothing but a tragedy. You know, everyone wants to make fun of the guy because, yeah, he did go to the rally and everything else and uh, didn't wear a mask and knitted everybody else around him and accused the media of hysteria and all these things. Okay, so maybe he was wrong about all those things and, you know, you can take him to task for that, but I don't know what that has to do with celebrating the dude's death. I mean, that seems ghoulish to me. So, no, I don't have anything, you know, uh, I mean, I think you can talk about his record, and I think you can talk about how his own views led to an unfortunate demise, but am I going to mock him for it? No, I will not mock him for it. Uh, it would never, wouldn't even occur to me to do such a thing. DC versus Stipe 3, what are the chances it goes five rounds? I don't think it does. Especially in that small-ass cage, I don't think it does. I think that this one, I think it might go long. I don't think it will go five rounds. You know, first one went to the first, second one went to what? The, did it go to the fifth or did it end in the fourth? Let's see. That one ended in the fourth, but at 4.09, so late into the fourth. So I suspect this one will go probably to the third. I just feel like these guys know each other too well. They know their vulnerabilities. They're both older, especially Cormier now. And in that small cage, they're going to be right on top of each other. Uh, there's a chance that somebody might be able to have a bit of a wrestling advantage and then use that to like lay on someone. But even then, I just don't see how the judges are going to get involved here. MMA is crazy, and you say stuff like this, and then the next time they do it, you're completely wrong. But I, I, I just feel like with this amount of knowledge between them, both times it ended in a stoppage, and now you're going to do it in a smaller cage. How does it go the distance? I, I would be very surprised. What was the worst MMA loss you saw as a fan of the fighter? I don't know. I haven't been a fan in a while. Fight you're looking forward to most? DC Stipe, Adesanya Costa, Khabib Gaethje. All three are fire. UFC has a strong fucking slate the rest of the year, man. Strong slate of fights. Um... I'll put Khabib Gaethje on top. That's like my 1A. I'll put Adesanya Costa 1B. I've gone back and forth. I've had it, I've had Adesanya Costa as my number one, but I keep going back and forth on it. And then I'll put DC versus Stipe as my number two. But, you know, I mean, can you go wrong with any of them? They all look amazing, right? Thoughts on the schmo? Dude is killing it. Dude is killing it. Uh, I saw somebody... Being like, oh, did you see him and, uh, insult you with Michael Bisping? And then I went and listened to it, and that's not at all what he did. Bisping was asking, I guess Bisping was interviewing him, like a cool little reversal. And uh, not as the schmo, as the dude he normally is. And um, he was like, you know, what do you think about uh, Ariel? What do you think about Brett? What do you think about Luke? And then he had nothing, ne <laughs> he had nothing negative to say. 
And then Bisping was like, you have to say something negative or positive. Or something. He sort of forced his hand. And then he was sort of making like, you know, if you've never trained, you can't really criticize fighters. It's like, fine. A lot of people feel that way. You know, I don't agree, but okay, whatever. It, it's fine. It's no big deal. Um, you know, listen, man. Is the, is the what he does, is that something that would work for me? No. You know, I couldn't do that kind of a bit that he does. And it takes a little bit of getting used to it first. But... I think I think the fighters really appreciate it. They like the sort of weird, relaxed, you know, Nardawar kind of atmosphere that goes on. It totally has worked for him. He has dramatically raised his profile. Fans like him. Um, you know, if e- he's doing it because everyone else is doing other stuff, and so it's his pivot in a different direction. That's what you should be doing. Not necessarily this per se, but it's a work for him. But which way is the current? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, the trend. I'm gonna go in a different direction. It's exactly what you're supposed to be doing. So you know, um, can I claim to watch all of his stuff? No, I can't. But what he's broken stuff. We play it on my radio show. You know, um, uh, he's only ever been kind to other media professionals. I don't know. What, I don't know if his beef with Ariel is real or not. I don't know what that is. But dude, you can't hate on the schmo. Like the dude hustles his balls off. You know, is everything for everybody? No. But that's okay. It doesn't have to be. But do you have to respect what he has done? How could you not? How could you not, man? How could you not? He has absolutely made a quick and dramatic impact. And it's not accidental. It's not accidental. He gets out there and he works his ass off. He's got his own little lane. And he's killing it. So if I was hating on that, it would just be pathetic. So I have nothing to say except keep going, dude. Keep getting bigger and better. Is it better to be kind or to be honest? Well, this is one I have gotten wrong most of my life, which is I have always thought it's better to be honest. I don't know how true that is. <laughs> I don't know how true that is because that has made me a fuck ton of enemies. Um, I have learned later in life that being kind makes me feel better. And also it makes the other people feel better. Is that feeling better actually a thing that materially improves lives or is it just a illusion? I do not know the answer to that. Most of my life I have operated under the idea that truth is rarely what you want it to be. Truth has this sort of feeling like it's liberating. It's exonerating. You know, the truth shall set you free. But really, the truth is mostly an encumbrance. M- most m- most forms of truth. I mean, there's a reason why people go to desperate lengths to conceal it. And 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 so, you know, you meet somebody and they're a douchebag the first time you meet them. Very rarely you're going to tell them that, right? So you sort of go upon these acts to conceal it. Your boss gives you a fucking stupid ass task, and you know he's wrong. Or she, and you kind of have to keep your mouth shut and you can't really say anything, or there's powerful people like an MMA that no one ever wants to talk about. Like, since when is the truth there a comfortable, good, welcomed? I mean, people go out of their way to conceal it and hide from it and ignore it. I have found that in many, many situations, very often the truth is the least comfortable, least pleasing thing that you can find about a situation. And to the extent you wish to curry, uh, favor you should consider your relationship to the truth (laughs) it's not nearly as good for you as you think it is so i don't know 
I don't know anymore. You would ask me 10 years ago, I'd very, very much tell you uh, honesty is better. But as I get older and I try to be a, I try to be a, a good person to the extent possible, I have found that there is a certain uh, virtue in kindness, even if it is not necessarily truthful. So I no longer know the answer to this question. Um, let me get one more of these. Mate, bring Chuck to the show. We all love the man in the hat. Yes, I love him too. Fuck, I meant to bring it to show it to you guys. I don't use this camera or my other camera, my a7 III, for um, morning combat. I have a Canon that they sent me over in the back. It has an HDMI cord that plugs into something called Live View. It's a little box. It's about this size. This is a monitor for my a7 III, but it's about this size, and it takes over my home internet and feeds a signal to Jay for morning combat. And that's how we're able to not look like we're on Skype. You have to have these specific instruments that can handle the bandwidth and that can send that signal. That live view box, like the company that let me have it doesn't even own it. They rent that shit because it's so expensive. That camera they sent me is ridiculous, okay? They sent us really expensive gear. If we were to bring, this sounds stupid, but it's really true. If we were to bring any guest on from Skype, it looks bad. It looks really bad. And so... We were just trying to avoid that. Now, I may get to a point where we have to, but Chuck is very much a part of the show. I talked to him this week about it to make it clear. We love Chuck. He hasn't gone anywhere. He says, dude, we're doing pandemic shows. Like, you know, part of the reason why Showtime sent us all that gear is so that our show could look different in the pandemic. Well, the other shows take a huge step back from a technological standpoint. We took a minor setback. In fact, many people who've been watching Morning Combat have said they like the home shows more than the studio shows uh, by virtue of how relaxed the atmosphere is. But part of that, it feels as good as it does because of the, because of the equipment that we're using. And so we have to get all of that to him. Maybe we will. I don't know. I don't have control over that. But we have not forgotten about Chuck at all. Trust me. Trust me. We who doesn't like Chuck Mendenhall? Douchebags. That's the answer. We love Chuck. We're just trying to figure this stuff out. All right. With that in mind... Let's go to your uh, uh, paid questions here while I remind you to subscribe to the motherfucking channel. Let us see. All right. Uh, bah, 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 bah. If you were act, Ooh, there's a fuck ton. Uh, can you get Chuck hired by Showtime? I would love nothing more than to get Chuck hired by Showtime. If we were back in studio, we were back doing that. Chuck would have we would have pulled him right back in, you know. But it's the pandemic, so everything is fucked. Basically, do I have to tell you that? Uh, someone says I listened to your chat. For the logical takes. Well, I appreciate that. What do you think is the driver for a lack of scientific slash evidence-based reasoning from the public? Well, um, you know, a couple of different readings you could have on that. Demon Haunted World by Carl Sagan. Um, Death of Expertise by Tom Nichols. And also, there's a new book coming out. There's a guy I follow on social media. He's an epidemiologist. I know that will come as a... Total surprise to many of you. It's like, wow, Luke's following an epidemiologist. I never could have imagined that he would do that. But with his constant hectoring about uh, 
uh, <laughs> um, COVID. But he is an epidemiologist. I don't know where he teaches exactly. Where does he teach? He is a professor at uh, the University of Washington. He studies how a professor of biology and epidemiology at the University of Washington studies how information flows through the world from how animals communicate with one another to how social media is changing our society, blah, 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 blah. Long ass thing there. Anyway, he has a new book coming out. Uh, he co-wrote it with Jevin West. Jevin West is an associate professor of the information school at the University of Washington as well. He's also the director of the Center for the Informed Public. They have a new book coming out called Calling Bullshit, The Art of Skepticism in a Data-Driven World. So I have not read it yet. It does not come out till the 4th, uh, but I have pre-ordered it. I am waiting for it. And um, his name, the guy who, that I follow, is uh, Carl T. Bergstrom. Uh, let me see if I can put this up for you so that you bitches can see it. And... I'm going to pull up his uh, Twitter as well, T. Bergstrom. People always ask me, who's an authoritative figure in these parts that um, you can trust? Well, this when I say trust, this does not make him infallible, but I have found that his level of analysis has been uh, excellent on these matters. I have profited greatly from his contributions to these conversations and I'm desperate to read his book. Let me see here. Pull this up. Can you guys see it? Yes, there we have it. Uh, I'll pull this up a little bit here for you. Whoops, hang on. Let's see here. All right there. This is Carl T. Bergstrom. Um, his Twitter feed is filled with really, really smart analysis, not merely on COVID, but sort of the biological sciences more generally. And then this is his book right here. Call, there we go. Let's do this one. For fuck's sake. Hang on. Here. This is his, uh, this is his thingamajig. So, uh, his book, Calling Bullshit, Skepticism in a Data-Driven World, all right? Um, between the, I should say, among the Carl Sagan and Death of Expertise books, and then this one, it is, I have a strong recommendation for you on some reading that will help you answer this question. I think the long and short of it is probably a few things. One, um, public intellectuals and media in particular have made some critical errors over time and done a poor job of acknowledging that they have made them. And that has eroded trust in uh, by the public. I think that's a big one. I think two, uh, this sort of balkanization of media and then information sources more generally, often along partisan and political lines, which therefore means that the integrity of the entire system becomes under attack as each side sort of suggests. That the other has maligned information for some kind of partisan purpose erodes trust in information sciences uh, and ecosystems more generally uh, and sort of makes them non-overlapping. I think that's a big one. Um, there is research that indicates that in a time of great upheaval uh, and social challenge and change, that conspiracy theories and other forms of scientific illiteracy take greater root and hold over the public's imagination. That is probably a big one. 
That's a big one as well. So any number of those factors, in addition to ways in which we educate ourselves, uh, in addition to long-held myths of... uh, uh, long-held attachments to forms of mysticism and other kinds of uh, bad information all probably play a role there. All right, there we go. Kevin says, uh, imperfect fix for judging. If there is no finish, the fight is automatically judged a draw. Fuck that. Even in one-sided bouts, if you survive, you earn the draw. Could this work? No. What a calamity that would be. Have you ever heard of Crowbar? The metal band? Yes. Um, According to Trevor Whitman, UFC's gloves have never undergone any sort of protesting and provide next to no shock absorption for the wear. If true, why is this not a bigger talking point? I think most folks don't care, but I take Trevor Whitman's points quite seriously. There is greater technological innovation that must be needed for gloves um, in terms of their... Uh, build quality in terms of construction materials, in terms of shock absorption, in terms of any number of these points. Does GSP Khabib have to be for the belt? Would beating arguably the pound for pound number one at 165, 170 be enough to cement GSP as the GOAT or must it be for the 55 belt? I just sort of feel like at catch weight, people might undermine it. Maybe not. But for sure, for GSP to really get the full weight of the victory, it would have to be um, at 155. What fight's better for for Whitaker? Whitaker versus Cannoneer? Whitaker versus Hermanson? Ooh. Probably Hermanson. If he can stuff takedowns, I don't think on the feet, Hermanson has much for him. On the ground, he does. Uh, and like if what Cannoneer showed, you can stuff that. You can do pretty impactful things. Um, how badly have you been rocked while sparring? Oh, fuck. Uh, I had my bell rung a couple of times. Pretty bad. Um, <laughs> I one time got hit and spung all the way around. That was a bad one. I couldn't. I, I was that, that was a really bad one. I got spung all the way around by this dude who fucking hit. Super hard, didn't see it coming, and went 360 all the way around almost. I mean, not quite 360, but pretty fucking close. Uh, been flash KO'd. Never been like KO'd, like, like stretched. Uh, not because I'm something special, just because I just didn't do enough of it. I'm sure if I did, you know, it would happen. Yeah, I mean, I've had my bell rung in the sort of the, the euphemistic terms, but nothing too, too bad. Why doesn't Valentina get more endorsements? Dominant champion who speaks English and Spanish fluently, all while being easy on the eyes. Probably because there's not really enough awareness about her. She does not have what's called a high Q rating, which means a high degree of public visibility and awareness. How much more impressive does the UFC look now than baseball? Such a mess. Fuck. (laughs) Disease ball is what they should call it. Holy fuck, man. American baseball has been around a week. A week. It has now spread across multiple divisions, multiple teams. You've got a whole shitload of... You have more players on the Miami Marlins who have COVID than the entire nation of Taiwan. I mean, you got to be fucking kidding me. Baseball's plan is so bad and deserves to be absolutely ridiculed. 
Jesus Christ, they are terrible. Uh, basically, this whole plan of we're just going to send dudes home, you know, and we're going to let, I mean, I keep telling folks this, you can have more COVID and you can have more normal. You ain't going to get both. And just sending people back home into the wild where COVID is running free like a naked toddler prior to bath time, uh, you know, it's a fucking recipe for disaster. So how good does the UFC look? I think the UFC looks really good. You guys have not heard me complain. I keep bringing this up. You've not heard me complain about what they're doing because what they're doing is great. All I ever wanted them to do was get right with the commission first, show us it can be done uh, with very strict standards, follow those standards. I realize they self-regulated, but uh, you know UAE had a big hand in making sure they had all the resources they need. They were incredibly strict about it. Dude, Like I have nothing to say about UFC shows. Are they perfect? Nobody's perfect. Might something go wrong? Of course. But in general, what they've been doing... To this point, since they went to Nevada, certainly has been great. Has been I, nothing to say. Uh, but it, it, the the key insight to me is why is what the UFC is doing works. It's like, well, are they thorough? Probably. Dude, Major League Baseball is not poor. I mean, they have money, but a bad plan doesn't matter how much money you have; it's not going to work. The key insight to me, comparing UFC to Major League Baseball, is not the right comparison. To me, it's something closer to what NBA is doing. And even that is not really the same, but it's much closer, which is a bubble. It looks like the bubble is the key insight because top rank has been able to do it. We're going to see Showtime tomorrow. We saw Bellator last week. UFC has been killing it. Fight Island in Nevada. I don't have any complaints. I got nothing to complain about. Um, Because if you can take a relatively small number of people, a couple hundred at a time, or you know, give or take, And for UFC or for Bellator or for boxing, you got them basically less than a week. You hold them in place. You quarantine everybody. You control who comes in and comes out. You put a sort of a metaphorical bubble around them. And then you, you know, you have to make sure that that bubble is tightly controlled. But if you do that, that's a workable system. And it turns out there are ways to control that. And if you're the UFC, It's just a couple hundred people, it's less than a week, and then the process starts over again. So they can refine it and refine it and refine it and refine it. Dude, it's great. We are, as as UFC and MMA consumers, we are lucky as shit. We are super lucky. It, to me, was never that they didn't uh, have the capacity or the money to do it. It's that they rushed too, too far back. Remember... As good as the UFC is doing right now, and they are killing it, both with the content they're putting out and the safety that they're rolling out, dude, they're killing it. I, I You'd have to be a, a complete asshole to complain about it. But remember, after the NBA canceled their season, after March Madness was stopped, after MLS called it off, after every sports league called everything off in March, they still went to Brazil and they still put on a show and didn't do any COVID testing and were utterly unapologetic for it. And then they tried to go to London and do the same thing and couldn't by virtue of uh, the difficulties doing it. So, like, And then ESPN never asked them shit about it. So are they doing a good job now? They're doing a fucking phenomenal job. They're doing a great, great job. I am relieved at how great they're doing. I am proud of how well combat sports, and in particular MMA and UFC, have looked. Uh, But sorry, (laughs) you try to roll through two different situations in the middle of a pandemic, and Cage Warriors tried to do one and the same thing, and everyone was like, what's the big deal? 
you're not going to get the benefit of the doubt. And then you try to rush something through without a commission, and then you try to go to a Native American territory in California when the commission is not holding shows. You are not entitled to the benefit of the doubt. Now you are. Now you waited to work with Florida. You got even tighter controls with Nevada. You have borrowed that system. You understand how it works. You took it over to UAE. They upped the ante with all the technological improvements they made and the quarantining process that they had in place. Now, now you got a great thing going. But this idea that like, oh, well, you know, doesn't it show how right they've been all along? No. <laughs> no. They're, since they got right with Nevada, most of us had nothing to say. But the early plans of just, we're just going to go to Brazil and after the rest of the sports world has stopped and we're not even going to bother to COVID test. Sorry, it's irresponsible. Same thing in London and same thing when they tried to go around the commissions. No, it's not responsible. You do it the right way, wait a little bit, work with the commissions, which they're now doing, and I will shut up. And I did. And so now it looks like they're doing well. So the question that the NBA is up against is, can they do what they're doing for a longer period of time? They're essentially taking the UFC model and then just stretching it. We're going to have more people inside the bubble, and we're going to keep them there for longer. Can you do that? Is that a workable thing? They've had two rotations now where they've had no COVID positives, and they had a night last night where the games were pretty good. So that looks to me like if the lesson is from UFC to top rank to everybody else to now NBA, it's that... If COVID is running wild in your country, uh, or at least poorly contained or whatever, the bubble is the answer. And they've done a great job. They've done a great job. Do you cringe when knowledgeable people tell you that Khabib has never tapped in training? Yeah, Javier Mendez told me that. I just, you know, love Hav, but I just, I can't believe that. Recreate the Sandlot gang with MMA fighters. Who is Rodriguez, the fat kid, Smiley, and Smalls? I have to go back and look at the movie again. It's been so long. It's a good question, but I apologize. I, I do a bad job of answering it. Have you noticed Whitaker's tendency to dip his head, yep, like that, and swing wildly when blitzing opponents? Do you think this makes him vulnerable to uppercuts and knees? If they can be properly timed, but remember, he's timing those too. It's like, yes, you see them, but if you're facing off against him, he's doing that on an off-rhythm kind of way. Would GSP versus Khabib, wouldn't it be better... F what? If Khabib beats Justin Gaethje, then relinquishes the belt, and Lightweight can move on ASAP. No, because I don't know if the GSP fight's going to actually get made. And I still think there's hope for a Tony Ferguson fight. That's just me, but... Of all the current UFC fighters, who do you think would make a good head coach once they retire? Um, you know what? I bet Roxanne Modafferi would be a good coach, believe it or not. Um, Cormier. Um... Yeah, those are some good names. What would you say would be the best way to start one's way into MMA media with zero writing experience? Start writing. People always ask, like, what's a great way to get into MMA media? What's some advice? 
And my answer is start producing work. Uh, I don't mean work that you want to go share with people. I mean work as repetitions. Think of it as shadow boxing. Think of it as showing up to the gym just to train. It's got no other purpose other than just to get better. You should do a lot of that. I have a lot of people send me their work before they're ready for prime time. Don't do that. Don't do that. You know, And I don't know what the cutoff is. If, is it a year? Is it two? Is it three? I don't know. But don't do that. Don't do that. Work, set, just constantly produce content and constantly ask yourself how you can get better. What things can I do to improve? What are some openings I can examine? Let's do what the schmo did. Look around and say, what are, what are people not doing effectively that could be used as a way to market my work and get it noticed? Do that. Assuming he gets past Justin, who do you think it actually beat Khabib? I don't know at that point. I don't know if Tony can beat him. I don't know if GSP can beat him. The the Justin fight's going to tell us a lot. What? Lightweight with most title defenses? I'm not sure who has the most title defenses at lightweight. But Khabib is certainly going to be... Um, I don't know. I don't know who the answer. I don't know what the answer is to that. Do you miss traveling to New York City? Sort of. Are you okay with returning to the weekly commute? Yes. I um, I don't miss how awful Mondays were and how hard they were, but I do miss seeing everybody. I do miss. I do miss New York City. I do miss um, you know, the sort of solitude of the train ride. I I, I miss some of those things. Yeah. How did you manage discipline and compassion at 25? I don't think I did. Poorly is the answer. Maybe a little bit of discipline, but very little, not enough compassion at 25. 25, you're sort of self-centered and, you know, um, you're not, you know, you're not worried about anybody else all that much. I was, even to this day, you know, certainly sort of self-focused, I don't know how you can be a workaholic and be super compassionate. I mean, the two are, you know, I've had to dial back my work to make time for my daughter, which I'm all too happy to do, of course. It's fucking great, actually. I love it. But, um, you know, I definitely have a problem with, I think I think workaholics are people who are ultimately a little bit selfish, you know, uh, which I can admit about myself. Um, so at 25, uh, you know, I, I wasn't even thinking about other people. Uh, discipline's a different story. Um, you know, that is when you're sort of full of vinegar and piss and I'll show the world. I didn't have too much of a trouble with that, but compassion, yeah. That's been a, that's been a hard lesson to learn. What iPad app do you use for your fight breakdowns on Dissected? Well, donks, if I told you that, you'd all start using it, wouldn't you? Do what I did. Figure it out for yourself. Luke, I need to see you in full HD. Every detail. Well, I don't know what happened. I'll check this fight video. I'll check this video out later. I apologize if it's not actually uh, up to snuff. I'll, I'll figure it out after the fact. Uh, sup, Luke? Big fan since your MMA Uncensored days. Serious question. Whose idea was it to have Jay on Morning Combat? 
Worst idea ever. Hey, we're toying with some ideas. You know, we'll see how it goes. If you could rebrand yourself or your content, what would you do? I wouldn't. Well, for, not to say I've got it all figured out. It's all great. I just, I, I am who I am. Will Francisco Trinaldo go down as one of the best fighters that no one really remembers? No. Who'd you favor? Yuri versus Jones, Corey Anderson, or Glover? Uh, Jones, I'd still favor over all those guys. and But I'd favor probably Yuri over uh, Corey. I don't know about Glover. That's a tougher one to say. Oh, Glover's still good. Will Francisco Trinaldo go down as one of the best fighters that one remembers? I don't think he's got one of those best fighter kind of resumes. He's got a good resume, not a great one. Uh, I watched the I watched Bellator, and I want to ask, what purpose does Mike Goldberg serve? I notice he makes redundant remarks, incorrectly attempts to correct the commentators, and in general, does not contribute to the event. Well, if you had listen, I'm not going to sit here and bash Mike Goldberg. I have made enough arguments about the guy, you know, to the point where I think I have pissed, I know for a fact I have pissed him off. Um, not that I take back any of my criticisms, but what purpose do I have to really keep hammering them home? Except that it's sort of funny you say this because I tried to make these points when he was working for UFC and fans would tell me, oh no, you know, it's really great. I'm like, I don't think he is as good as John Anik and I don't think it's especially close. And it seems like people are finally coming around to that, but it has, it certainly took a while. Can you give a shout out to my call of duty team? No. Uh, did you see John Morgan's post with a custom Verdum mask? I have, I've made them. I have two left. Danny should get his today. Would be stoked to send you one if you want. Sure. Email me. What are your thoughts on the Jorge and Dan Lebitard interview about politics? Also being that you're married to a Latina, how does it compare and contrast to her political views? Well, the Cubans are very different than a lot of other Latin communities. First of all, there are a fair amount of Latin communities, I think more so than African-American, that lean to the right. In many ways, they're sort of, you could understand why they would be. Uh, many of them are Catholic or certainly very Christian, which makes many of them pro-life. Um, they have a lot of traditional family values. You know, they believe sort of in a lot of America's spirit of, um, you know, hard work or whatever, right? It's things that would make them uh, somewhat right-wing ideologically bound. Um, what do I make of it? I'm glad Dan Lebitard had an interview like that. I appreciate Jorge sharing his views. I don't agree with any of them, but who cares? You know, you might, you might not. I don't think that's particularly relevant. Um, I, I, find that uh, I find that Dan Lebitard does some of the most interesting interviews in sports. And, you know, does, what, does my wife or anyone in her family agree with anything Jorge has to say related to politics? They couldn't be further apart. But, you know, you have to understand that Cubans have a particular history in this country. They have a particular experience, and that particular experience informs their worldview. And to an extent, I think I understand that. Um, how representative that is of the wider uh, Latin voting populace is not very, but it's not entirely dissimilar either. So that's what I would say. Thoughts on 2016 Nobel Prize in Literature being awarded to Bob Dylan. I don't have a lot of feelings about Nobel Prize awards. I'm the wrong guy to ask about that. Uh, many fighters only do interviews with Okamoto. Um, yeah, I think a lot like him. And he's with a big outlet. It would make sense to do that with him, 
right? I mean, it's, it's a wise move. Rose took more damage than Jess in the last fight in only two rounds. Zhang hits just as hard, better than Rose in the clinch and the ground kicks. Rose loses bad, in your opinion. Duly noted. With the success and popularity of Adesanya, Usman, and uh, Francis, is there an up-and-coming African fighter in your radar? Oh, who's that dude that um, uh, Rug Rug? I think uh, Aries FC signed him. He did the, uh, the, the lamb wrestling. He appears to be a fucking specimen. We'll see how good he gets. Have you ever followed any programs like 531? You mean like for deadlifting? Uh, yes. They're fine for beginners or people who are uh, been off for a while. Sure. Mountain Dew. Well, I got the diet Mountain Dew player. Don't forget. Uh, let's see. Thoughts on Herman Cain COVID? You know, that Trump rally was f- completely fucking idiotic. And, uh, you know, I won't call it Jonestown, but Jonestown light with what, how reckless and stupid it was. And it's a tragedy that Herman Cain has passed away and that he has. It's very unfortunate. Hi, Luke Schultz from Barcelona. Do you think Edmund Shabazian is good enough to be champion? I do. And uh, Barcelona, while I hate the team, is a wonderful city. Yeah, thoughts on Congress not getting a bill done before the unemployment boost expires. I mean, you have multiple states in this country where 30% or more of the people are behind on rent or, or mortgage. Um, how many of those are facing eviction is a substantial portion, not the entirety of it. But it is, I don't know what they think is going to happen. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, I don't know what they think is going to. Ha- I don't know. They think like this will not be economically calamitous if it goes unaddressed for long at all. I just don't understand the lack of. I don't understand the lack of urgency, other than it's a bunch of bums who all should be thrown out. Who's a better coach, Perry's girlfriend or Fabia? Probably Perry's girlfriend. If a billionaire decided to bankroll recent Olympic combat medalists for MMA, boxers and wrestlers, judo, etc., what team would dominate the sport? Probably Russia, United States, maybe Iran, if you could give them a little bit of time. Next for Shabazian, if he wins this fight by KO, ooh, probably maybe Hermanson, something like that. Are you more amused or more annoyed by your 49 times tweet becoming a meme and copy pasta on the MMA subreddit? I don't give a fuck either way. If you're a juvenile idiot and that kind of thing is uh, hilarious to you, great. If it is somehow kind of interesting to you, great. If not, great. It doesn't, I don't, you can't. I can't control what they do on MMA subreddit. You have to be kind of a moron to think it's particularly funny. So by all means, keep using it. It doesn't, it doesn't impact my day one way or the other. Uh, Kamzat Shumayev came out of nowhere to become a household name. Do you know of any other up-and-coming fighters around the world that we don't? That's one area where I'm not good at. The guy, I'm, I'm quite bad at as a matter of fact. The guy to talk to about that and follow on Twitter is Kaposa, Grabaka Hitman. That's your guy. He watches everything, and he has a pretty clear sense of who's coming up. Smoogie is a good one for that, too. Smoogie MMA. 
Um, that is not a strength that I have at all. Rank the following war movies from best to worst. Um, best to worst. Movies, not books. So I'm going to go Apocalypse Now. Platoon. See, Jarhead was a good book, but the movie was not very good. I'll still go Jarhead, then Hurt Locker, then American Sniper last. Someone's asking about a middleweight that competes in Cage Warriors. I, I, again, I apologize. I just don't have enough time to watch all that stuff. Best pure boxers in MMA. Connor's good. Jorge's good. Um, I, I, I don't know if he's a pure boxer in that sense. I like some of the stuff in his boxing that he does. Volkanovski. Holloway's good. Shabazian's good. Um, Adesanya. Um, well, those are, those are some great ones. If I didn't mention him, Masvidal. Masvidal's maybe the best. Someone's waiting for another installment of Retro Dissected. Yeah, there's got to be a break in the action. Do you think Teofimo Lopez will KO Lomachenko? No. No, I don't. More likely fight next for Robert Whitaker. Hermanson, Cannoneer, or backup fighter for the middleweight? I think it's going to be uh, Cannoneer. I talked to him today. Could you remember a fighter that went from being completely unknown to making a big of a splash as Chimaev did? I mean, Connor. <laughs> I mean, not the same. There's a lot of differences. Connor had a much bigger notoriety on the regional scene, but still. Who'd you favor in the Alexi Olenek Derek Lewis fight? Probably Lewis. Uh, let's see here. Luke's politics aside, let's not forget CNN called COVID just a flu and Pelosi and Schumer decried Trump's xenophobia and urged people to stay and to go to restaurants and parties to show solidarity. Well, I mean, you're not going to hear me defend anything Pelosi and Schumer did, although I don't know if that what you're saying is true and I don't watch or read CNN. You guys have ever seen me share a CNN article ever? You know, are you, if you're telling me that there was inconsistency on their side, believe me, it's the last thing that would be surprising. Thanks for normalizing and compressing your audio. Great content. Yeah, maybe the... I don't know if the picture's fucked up, but at least the audio's good. I think Dan has obnoxiously biased commentary towards UK fighters, but I am on his side in the Hardy, Hardy versus Herb debate. Okay. Where do you land on the lawful, neutral, good, chaotic, evil chart? Somewhere around lawful. Any plans to bring Brad Riddell on more? Yes. I know he's been in uh, quarantine all this time, so I'll just let him be. But yes, I'd love to get him back on again. What? Any opinions on Peter Schiff and his philosophies? No. Do you think shot selection when chain wrestling is just as important punch selection as when throwing a combo? Or is it more about pace and tenacity? It's about both. You can't just randomly shoot without any consideration, not really for what comes after it, but for the setup itself. Right? Like, um, are you close enough? Are you certain leg forward? Did you get a certain reaction out of them first? Are you doing it from some kind of tie-up or not? All of those things bear relevance to how you begin that sequence. So, yes. Someone thinks my ability to answer questions a certain way.
someone likes the idea of the potential project about changing thoughts uh, and, and, and beliefs, I'm happy to further that. Just email me, LukeThomasNews at gmail.com. Someone says, you should look at what Formula One is doing to have races around the world. It's better than what UFC is doing. Okay, I'll look into it. <laughs> UFC has been delivering big fights despite COVID-19 pandemic while top rank shit the bed. Can ESPN cut ties with Bob Arum? Well, it's a different situation. They have a lot of people who just aren't as desperate for money and are nearly have the same level of control. It's not an accident. Penn, Edgar, and Henderson all have three defenses at lightweight. Oh, I see. <laughs> Thoughts on Trump thinking about postponing the election. Well, he can think whatever he wants. His term expires by virtue of the Constitution, or unless, he, if he, unless he gets reelected, and it's not up to him to choose whether the election takes place. But boy, that was an uncomfortable tweet, wasn't it? All right, boys and girls. I don't. If uh, I have to check it out, I don't know what happened to the quality. If the quality is bad, I will fix it for next time. At least the audio is better, right? The audio should be a lot better. So uh, give the video a thumbs up. Subscribe to the channel. I got a bunch of videos I'm going to upload tonight and tomorrow, including a main event preview for tomorrow as well as some other things. So I appreciate you guys watching. And until then, stay frosty. <laughs>